This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about the consumer proposal, and we're going to go through it step by step, really to understand the process from start to finish, because it might be a brand new concept to you. And making a consumer proposal is one of the best ways to consolidate and cut debt. And Blair's going to explain some of the key benefits to consumer proposals, as well as how the process works for any BC consumer. Blair, can you start with explaining what the consumer proposal is and how the debt consolidation works? With pleasure, Elaine. I know we joke sometimes on this show that I really feel like my my life's purpose is to make people aware of consumer proposals because I believe it's so life-changing to have this type of a solution available. And I had personal experience, you know, early on in my professional career where someone came to me for financial advice and me having graduated from business school, working at an accounting firm, I had no idea the solution even existed. and I didn't give the best possible advice that could have been. Um, So that really compelled me to start to learn about proposals. And I'm so thrilled to be able to share that information with our listeners. So if someone is just tuned in and just uh, doesn't know what a consumer proposal is, well, stay tuned because I think you're going to enjoy what you have to hear. So what a consumer proposal is, it's a legal way to consolidate your debt and actually cut the total that you need to repay to your creditors. So a consumer proposal puts all of your debts together into one interest-free agreement, and what you pay back is generally less than the full amount. It's often significantly less than the full amount. Sometimes it's in the range of 20 to 50% of what you owe. So someone might have a completely unmanageable debt burden, huge interest cost every month. They could file a consumer proposal, the interest cost immediately go to zero, and then working with the trustee, it's a matter of figuring out, well, what can they afford to reasonably repay given their income, given their household family situation, uh, really trying to set them up for success. And it could be as little as 20 cents on the dollar. It could be more than 50 cents on the dollar. Every situation is a little bit different. But in general, a consumer proposal offers some very significant debt reduction. Um, in addition to reducing the debt, there are still some other advantages to a proposal. So what happens, again, when you file the proposal, the debts are frozen. So the whole idea of this moving target every month, you get a statement where there's more interest put on it, you've made payments, but you maybe haven't gotten ahead. You know, that game stops completely. The debts are frozen. And what's also frozen is all the creditor harassment. So if anybody is threatening to send you to collections, maybe already taking your wages or threatening to seize assets, all that comes to an immediate halt immediately when you file a consumer proposal. Um, It's a very comprehensive solution. So just about every type of debt can be included and reduced. So everything from a payday loan to a credit card to student loans to taxes um, to even pandemic benefits like a SERB overpayment, um, that can all be included. Um, and you get the assistance of a licensed insolvency trustee through every step of the process. So it's not the case that you need to go and demonstrate to a bank, you know, that you're credit worthy and they're going to loan you some money uh, to pay off your debts. It's, no, you need to just work directly with your licensed insolvency trustee. The only qualification is that you've got more debt than you're able to handle and you've got the objective of wanting to move forward uh, and make a reasonable settlement on that debt. 
Um, okay. I'd like to give a quick example, if that's okay, Elaine, just to help yeah, people, do. You know, fill Please. in um, some, some of the numbers here. I think that, you know, the theory is good, but here's a proposal that we recently filed, and these are real numbers. So it was someone who owed $42,360, let's call it $43,000, uh, and they were struggling with their minimum monthly payments that were over $1,200 a month. Um, they made a consumer proposal, and in their case, we could reduce the debt by 55%. So it was reduced from 42360 down to 18600 um, Their monthly payment, to me, this is the best part, because they were paying $1,200 a month. That was basically a recurring charge. It was just going to clear interest. Their debts weren't really getting paid down every month. In the proposal, it's $310 per month, and that goes away after 60 months, or if they're able to pay it off sooner, that's great, but this is not the never-never plan. This is you'll pay $310 a month, you'll pay back 18600 to deal with a $42,360 debt situation. So it's that powerful, it's that life-changing. Imagine if you had a $1,200 payment that went down to $310, you didn't have to go into bankruptcy, you didn't have to surrender any assets, you just had to reach out for help to the right people, like a licensed insolvency trustee. And before you get to the next part about what somebody needs to do to start a consumer proposal, I just want to add um, the website, uh, sands-trustee.com. If you're wanting a bit more explanation uh, and you're thinking, okay, I didn't quite get all of that and you don't want to listen to the uh, the piece again, super easy to do by going to the website because it's just filled with such good questions and really clear, concise answers, easy to understand. It's sands-trustee.com. Or if you're ready to go, and you want to make that first step and get an appointment and sit down with somebody, 1-800-661-3030. So what do you need to do before you start a consumer proposal? Uh, step by step, Blair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the, the first thing, so there's generally three steps, uh, and the first step is often the hardest one to take because there's a lot of uncertainty, and you know, a lot of people think when they start to reach out for debt help that the first thing's going to happen is they're going to be feel judged and looked down upon, uh, but I can absolutely guarantee you at Sands & Associates that's not our approach at all. We treat everybody with dignity, with empathy, and with respect as if it was ourselves or a very close family member experiencing a tough financial situation. So the first thing to do is to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee, and if you need to do a consumer proposal, it's imperative that you understand the only person that can help you is a licensed insolvency trustee. You can't do a proposal by yourself, a credit counselor, debt settlement agent, no not even a lawyer, nobody can do a consumer proposal on your behalf other than a trustee. Um, as anyone who listens to the show will know, it's free to connect with a licensed insolvency trustee. You can sit down for a confidential consultation at any point. Um, and if you're dealing with someone that says, you know, they want some fees, they'll introduce you to the trustee later, they need to refer you, you're not dealing with someone who's being ethical and straightforward. It should never cost you a dollar to sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee. Okay. Um the next step, and these are very similar to filing a personal bankruptcy in terms of the actual mm -hmm. process that you're going to go through with the, with the licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah, so the first step is that consultation that we were discussing, and during that consultation, we're going to look at all of your options. We'll explore whether a consumer proposal is a great option or not. Again, a lot of people that come in, they've just assumed, well, bankruptcy is the only thing available to them, and they're kind of hanging their head a little bit, and then as soon as we can explain, well, actually, a consumer proposal uh, can help you avoid a bankruptcy. You know, it's upwards of 80 85% of our clients these days are choosing to file consumer proposals over bankruptcy, but we're going to explore every option during that initial consultation. Once you've had that initial consultation and we've estimated out what the proposal looks like, uh, the next step if you want to move forward is to start to complete an implication 
an application form and to start to send us your financial information. So the information form is available online. It's totally secure. We're going to ask you for some very basic information about debts, income, assets, you know, all pretty common sense things you would think someone would need to know if they're going to try to help you with your debt. And then once you've submitted that application form and the documents, we hold a second meeting to review everything. So we confirm that our estimates were accurate. You know, we estimate your income at 2800 per month. It's 2825 Okay, that's within our margin of error. All good. We can we can proceed with the proposal um, that we had identified, and we also take as much time as necessary to answer all the questions. It's so important to us that we have what's called a no surprises experience. So, you know, we want you to feel confident from the first day that we've explained, you know, what could happen, the most common eventualities, what's likely to happen, so that you don't have the uncertainty that you might have had before you reached out where you're not sure what's going to happen. In a consumer proposal, you should know exactly what's going to happen. So that step two is where we complete, uh, we review your information, and we get the documents ready for signing. And that's where it's really important to know that a licensed insolvency trustee is the only one who's going to be able to um, usher you through this process. Uh, and it's really important, especially as, you, as we work a little bit farther once you get the, the signatures on all the papers. Yeah, so the step three is where we meet to sign the official proposal documents, and as soon as those documents are signed, and the vast majority of times we're doing that online, uh, completely secure signing solution, uh, once those documents are signed, we immediately file the proposal with the federal government, with Industry Canada, and the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy, and all of those organizations make sure that everything goes according to plan. The proposal, it's enshrined in Canadian law, and those organizations oversee every trustee in Canada, so ourselves at San and associates, we make sure that everything we do is in accordance with all the rules and the regulations, but it also lets the creditors know that when they receive a consumer proposal from Sands and Associates, it's legally binding. They have to stop exactly what they're doing at that moment, pens down, no more collection calls, no more interest added. All they can do is decide whether to accept the proposal or not, uh, which in the vast majority of cases, 95% on the first offer, 99% with negotiation, um, they do vote to accept the consumer proposal. And can you just mention not everybody has to accept it, but it's based on the majority of the of the, of the uh, creditors. Exactly. That's such an important point, Elaine, because a lot of times people come in and say, you know, there's this one creditor that I know, they would never accept 20 cents on the dollar no matter what. And sometimes it's the government, for example, and there's a collector that said, hey, you're wasting your time, you think we're going to reduce the debt. What's great with a consumer proposal is it's majority rules, and it's majority by dollar value. So if someone had $25,000 in debt, for example, all I need to say yes to that proposal is half of that debt, $12,500 in this case. If the government, for example, had you know, $10,000 of debt, but the other creditors had voted to accept that proposal, it wouldn't matter what the government had said against the proposal. Not even they can opt out of a consumer proposal. So as soon as we get over that 50% threshold, which as I mentioned, we get that in almost every proposal on the first offer, upwards of 95% of the time, as soon as we have that 50% threshold, the other creditors are legally bound by the terms of the proposal, even if if it's completely at odds with what they would want, even if they would say they'd rather just sue you for the money, they're not allowed to do any of those things once the proposal is in force. So it's such a powerful debt solution that no, no, no creditor can opt out of. It's fully legally binding. It gives you the protection and the certainty um, that you need that you can bank on. And as we wind up this segment, Blair, can you talk about what else happens within the consumer proposal and, and how long it takes? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a consumer proposal, it's a very unobtrusive process. So in a consumer proposal, you make the payments each month. Um, the only other main duty that you have to do is you have to attend two financial counseling sessions. And most people see this as a huge benefit. Sometimes part of the biggest value they got was some of the financial counseling. So we talked to you about how to rebuild your credit, how to set up a great household budget, how to build that emergency fund so that you'll be resilient again in the future. So there's two of those financial counseling sessions that you need to attend. Um, a lot of the other things you will do without even thinking about them. So, you know, you want to keep your taxes filed up to date, um, you know, pay any balances owing if they if they accrue, um, you know, stay in touch with your licensed insolvency trustee. If you receive an odd collection call or something, make us aware, we'll put a stop to it immediately. Um, but for the most part, it's making sure money's in your account every month for the payment, really focusing on those counseling sessions, and then starting to plan for the future, knowing that you've solved the problem of the past by doing this proposal, you've now made your debts manageable, you've eliminated all the interest, and you've got a solution that you can believe in. Yeah, boy, oh boy, the more I learn about consumer proposals, I think they're, what what a gift they are to folks that are in serious debt, but still have the ability to uh, pay pay a portion or, or pay a percentage of it off. It's, it's really quite something. Yeah, again, it's what I was so passionate about getting into this profession was I think people need to know that this exists and the people that you owe money to are not going to tell you that. They're not going to say, hey, there's an option that we would have to charge a zero interest and take 30 cents on the dollar. But now you know if you've listened to this segment. Yeah, exactly. And licensed insolvency trustee is the way to go. So in this segment, it's called Consumer Debt Facts and Fictions Separating Some Key Facts About Consumer Debt and Debt Solutions from Fiction. The old adage, knowing is not owing. So if you were faced with a debt problem or are facing a debt problem or having trouble making all your monthly debt payments, would you know what your rights are and what the remedies could be? So do you know where to turn for qualified debt advice? Well, Blair is going to separate some important facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from common fiction. And you might be surprised as we go through these thinking, oh, I thought that was true. <laughs> and in fact, no, it's not. Uh, so I want to start with the, the recent BC Consumer Debt Study that was uh, done by Sands & Associates. And they do it, you do it every year, don't you, Blair? That's right. Yeah, it's our, I think, ninth issue this year. But yeah, every year we ninth. do it. Yeah. And so finding that only 5% of consumers that they talked to said they got professional debt help right away or started looking for it right away. And then when they were asked about reasons for delaying getting that professional help, 29% of the people polled said it was because they didn't know where to get the help. So Blair, how do you, what do you say, what do you say to that? That's quite high, 30%. Yeah, well, we've got more work to do, uh, Elaine. So I, I hope <laughs> if folks are listening, they, they understand, you know, that most people, they're not aware of the things we're talking about on this show. So there's just a really significant gap in financial literacy in Canada. And even though access to credit is so normalized, you know, everyone's expected to use credit, use credit cards, you can barely use cash at some places. Now, there's just such a lack of openness and general knowledge about debt. Uh, and especially when there's a problem, you know, it's really not clear where individuals should go for help. You know, people might know in general, okay, when they might turn to an accountant or a lawyer or a financial planner, but most people have no idea when they should reach out for debt help, and they don't know that a licensed insolvency trustee can be their best ally to deal with a debt problem and help them move move forward. So, you know, shows like this, topics like this, Elaine, they're all about taking the stigma away, and I'm always so happy we can go through um, segments where we're going to talk about facts and show, you know, what's true and what's not, and really give some straight good, some practical advice for people as, as they face situations. 
and I think, Blair, what you said was really important. Um, we are constantly faced with all these options to get more credit, how to get money, how to do it this way or do it that way, but very little information on on good counseling around money or if you do get into a problem, how to fix it and how to fix it well as opposed to the other things that we're confronted with all the time like uh, pay loan debts and or not pay loan debts, but um, what are they called? Help me, Blair. When pay loan debts, that's what it is. Oh. Somebody going oh, for payday, a, yeah. payday loans. Yeah. Pay, payday loan. That's it. I got my yeah. words switched oh, yeah. around. The all right. The so first, yeah. The first thing, the first piece of fiction, most consumer debt problems are bad due to, uh, are, are due rather to bad budgeting and overspending. People are in debt because of bad budgeting and overspending. And what do you say to that? Yeah, you know, that the general conception is, you know, people who go bankrupt, they just made bad decisions. And, you know, if I or whoever else were facing the same situation, you know, I could have had a different outcome if I just made a better decision. Um, and, you know, there's a piece of that. You know, what we found is about a third of individuals, actually less than a third, about 28% of people who had filed a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, they said that, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because I overextended my credit because of general financial mismanagement. I just made some mistakes and, and that's that. I probably could have done something different. Okay, that's 28%. For the vast majority of individuals, uh, the reason why they're seeking help with their debts has nothing to do with any decisions that they've made, good or bad. It's just that something has happened in their life, an external shock that's left them unable to honor the obligations they thought they could if that, if that shock hadn't happened. So the four of the top five causes, uh, one is essential cost of living that income couldn't cover. So we've all seen people use credit uh, increasingly over the past couple of years as inflation has increased. Um, and people are saying, you know, cost of living has just outstripped my ability to pay for it. That was about 18% of people who filed for insolvency said there's nothing different that I've done. It's just this, it's become so expensive to live and I've had to use credit to fill the gap. Um, the other three causes, uh, one is illness, injury, or health-related problems. So uh, you can imagine if you're ill, your income is often interrupted. You may or may not have really good disability coverage. So that's a key driver of people seeking help with their debt is suddenly their health has, has been compromised. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown, uh, traditionally a very high cause of people seeking insolvency help because suddenly you've got to divide uh, various assets. You've got to reestablish a household. Quite often if the marriage deteriorates, there's not the same focus on financial um, stability and making good decisions that there might have been just due to the issues the couple is dealing with. Uh, and then finally, the last one, job-related issues, unemployment, layoff, reduction in pay. So if you think about it, you know, no one tries to get sick, uh, no one intends to get divorced, uh, and certainly no one intends to, you know, be laid off from a job that was, that was paying the bills. So the vast majority of people that need help with their debt, they might have done all the right things, as, as we often say, but they end up in a situation where they might be needing to file either a bankruptcy your proposal. So the fact that most debt problems are due to bad budgeting or overspending, complete fiction. It's a very small percentage. It's generally due to circumstances outside of an individual's control. And nothing says uh, that more quickly uh, and devastatingly than, I know, a pandemic, right? I mean, things can change at the turn of a dime these days. Uh, your situation is this, and then all of a sudden it's that. So uh, such good advice there. Uh, and if you know, if you already fit into that category and you know that you need to take some action and want to take some action to deal with your debt situation, give Sands & Associates a call, 1-800-661-3030, and get started. So, uh, Blair, can you take us through some other facts and fictions that are often misunderstood when it comes to sort of overall responsibility for a debt? 
Yeah, this next one we, we still run into quite often, so it, it definitely uh, bears spending a little bit of time on. And the fact is that getting married does not make you responsible to your spouse's creditors. So just very clearly, you are not responsible for repaying the debts of your spouse simply by virtue of marriage, cohabitation, or even if, God forbid, they were to pass away, you don't inherit your spouse's debt. So it's a common misconception that spouses become legally responsible for paying each other's debts once they're married. We've probably all heard the phrase, you know, you marry somebody, you marry their debt. It's a complete falsehood. You do not assume responsibility uh, for a spouse's debt just because you become married, cohabitated, had a child, anything like that. Uh, The only way a spouse can be responsible for another spouse's debt is either one, on a very deliberate basis, you decide you're going to co-sign, you're going to co-borrow, you're going to sign together for something that could be a loan, a lease, or a credit card. So if you keep your finances separate, that's not going to to cause any issues. The other scenario um, is if one partner incurred a bunch of debt when their relationship was going on, but then the relationship ends, there's a divorce under the BC Family Law Act, um, some of those debts can be split with the other uh, other partner, even though they didn't incur the debt, they could be asked to pay half. But that's not the same as a visa trying to collect from two two different people. Visa can still only collect from the spouse who owed the debt. That's one spouse making a claim to the other, saying, "You know what? I want you to pay half of this debt that we incurred together." But the vast majority of cases, especially if the marriage or relationship is going to continue, there's no automatic relationship between being married and suddenly owing each other's debts. So many couples would make different financial decisions. Uh, if they were aware of that fact, because I've seen far too often uh, a couple gets married, one person has a bunch of assets, the other has a bunch of debt, um, and the person with assets sells those assets to pay off the family debt thinking they had to do so. Meanwhile, they could have kept those assets and the person who had the debt could have restructured it, perhaps done a proposal, and the family unit would have been that much better off. So make sure you understand clearly what you owe and what you don't owe. And just because a collection agent or someone at the bank tells you, well, this is a joint responsibility, you know, demand the proof of that. Make sure you can see where you signed to be jointly responsible. And if you haven't, well, then there's, there's no basis for that liability. What about old debts? Do they, do they ever expire or disappear? Well, that's another good good question. So this is the fiction that old debts eventually expire. And in many fictions or many falsehoods, there's an element of truth. So let's, you know, dig a little bit deeper on this. So debts don't typically expire after a given amount of time. But what does happen is the creditor's time in which they can take legal action against you does expire. So in the province of BC, you might have heard about a two-year statute of limitations. And if you haven't, let me be the first to tell you, there is a two-year statute of limitations on basic basic consumer debts. And what that means is from two years from after the date the debt was incurred or the last payment against it was made or the last written acknowledgement of the debt was made by the person who owes the money. So even sending an email saying, yeah, I owe this money can reset that two-year clock. But if it's been two years or more since any of the above things have happened, the creditor who's owed that money can no longer take legal action against you to force you to pay. So if you owe somebody money, they can call you, harass you, threaten to take you to court. But until they actually take you to court, they can't start seizing your assets, taking your wages or anything like that. Um, If they've waited more than two years since the day you last made a payment or signed an acknowledgement on the debt, well, then they lose that right to ever take you to court. 
So again, it doesn't mean that debt is expired. It doesn't mean that that debt is suddenly gone and will never reappear again. It does mean that you can't be taken to court to be forced to pay that debt. So for some people, that's a lifesaver. You know, they're maybe 70, 75 years old on pensions, aren't too concerned about a credit rating. They'll just say, well, there's nothing they can do to me anyway. They can call whatever. If someone is earlier on in their financial life, they still might want to deal with that debt because it will be a negative mark on their credit. They might have new collectors, you know, every few months harassing them. Uh, But legally, after two years, there can be nothing that's going to force them to pay that debt. Uh, One carve out on this is it's for most consumer debts, but it doesn't apply to anything like child or spousal support arrears, which I think people would generally get. You can't wait out those obligations and make them go away, nor would you want to. Uh, You can't do this for any debts you've already been sued for and there's been a court order against you. Um, That doesn't have a two-year limitation period. And finally, if you have any government debt, whether it's the CRA or something like ICBC, there's no limitation period. But things like credit cards, payday loans, lines of credit, all of those are subject to the basic two-year limitation period. Okay. Now, we've just got about a minute left, and and I want to talk a little bit about the CRA. Uh, I only need to worry about Canada Revenue Agency if I owe money, and, and you say that's fiction. That is fiction because a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to file a tax return this year. I don't think I owe them money. And then they get a few years behind. It's actually worse in CRA's mind to not file a tax return than to file a return where you show a balance owing. They view that filing a return is, you know, the basic price of living in a civic society. So don't become a non-filer because eventually what CRA might do is what's called an arbitrary assessment where they just basically file your taxes for you, make up a number, and then you have to go through and disprove that. And suddenly they might start collecting against you pretty heavily. Heavily. So there is hope when there's CRA debt, a trustee can help you reduce that debt, but it all starts with getting those returns filed. So even if you don't think you owe money, get the returns filed every year. And if you do owe money, make sure you file those returns because it will put you in a better category than otherwise. Um, and if you want a place to start, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you've just described my situation, what do I do now? This is what you do. You give them a call, Sands and Associates at 1-800-661-3030, or check out their website. You can certainly get an appointment through there and look at all the terrific information they've got for you uh, that sometimes might explain something a little bit better so you know for sure that's the step you want to take in any event. The website address is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. So how do you know when to get professional debt help? We're going to talk about some key signs that your debt is headed into trouble and give you an idea, a suggestion, a really good place to get trustworthy support and solutions. Blair Manton, who also happens to be president of Sands & Associates, BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, is going to help us focus on debt help services for you, Uh, give insight into recognizing warning signs of that looming debt problem, if it's just looming at this point, and where you can go for safe advice and solutions to get the debt issue fixed. So Blair, key signs that somebody could take a look at to know if they're getting in trouble with their debt. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of, of really important warning signs to be available. Some are financial and some, as weird as it sounds, are non-financial. There are ways that you know you're in trouble with debt that don't have a whole lot to do with numbers, have more to do with feelings and with emotions. Um, but let's start with some of the more traditional ones. 
So if you're experiencing any of the following here, you know, it doesn't mean for sure you should be seeing a trustee tomorrow, but I'd say the more of these that resonate, it's a pretty good indication that perhaps you'd benefit from having a discussion with a financial professional like a licensed insolvency trustee. So if you're relying on your credit cards as a necessity and not just a convenience, or you're regularly going over your spending limit and you turn to credit, uh, that's definitely a warning sign. You continually need to use credit or you're asking friends or family for money to make it to the next payday. So there's more month left than there is money. Uh, your minimum monthly payments are all that you're able to pay each month. And as we know, making just minimum monthly payments doesn't get you out of debt anytime soon. It's often decades even for a small balance. Uh, you're making payments on your debts, but you find yourself um, you know, just despondent when you get the next statement and you haven't reduced the principal balance. All you've done is clear interest. You've treaded water for you know, yet another month and you know that's all that you're able to pay. Uh, you're operating without a budget and you don't have a plan to pay off your debts. Um, if you're using payday loans, just that factor alone, this type of financing is so expensive, it typically leads to a vicious cycle. So just being a regular user or even a one-time user of a payday loan, that's an indication that things perhaps aren't going according to plan. Uh, maybe someone's threatening to cut off a service like a utility provider or you know TV, cable, phone, or things like that. And then pretty obviously, if a creditor or a collection agency is pressuring you for payments, they've threatened you with court action, or maybe they're already seizing your wages, probably don't need to tell you. That's a warning sign that your finances are probably in trouble and you need a bit of help. So the financial warning signs, those can look a little bit different for everyone. And sometimes we don't even realize that we're struggling because there's just so much complexity between paying everything on credit card and trying to pay this off and this balance going from here and there. But it's really important to be honest with yourself about how you're feeling about your debt. So are you avoiding thinking about your debt and your overall finances? Does it even just cause you pain to contemplate that part of your life so you just don't? Uh, are you spending impulsively despite or because of financial anxiety? Um, you know, sometimes it's the drop in the bucket type thing. I already owe this much money. What's a little bit extra on there? And again, that's a very self-defeating type of a framework. Uh, do you feel stressed, anxious, or hopeless about your financial situation? Uh, have you been hiding things from your partner or from people important in your life? They don't know about your finances because you're just so embarrassed about the state. Um, and is it causing upset in your personal, um, important, emotional relationships? So more than 10% of people that we've polled, our existing clients, um, they said that they didn't reach out for help because they didn't think their situation was bad enough to ask for help. So they suffered, and usually it's up to two years they suffer. So even if your situation doesn't seem that bad, there are so much benefits to be gained by reaching out for help early on in your situation, not waiting until things get completely dire. Yeah, those besides the numbers, as you talked about, you know, the hardcore, I'm getting this and I'm not able to pay it. Just that fit, that stress, that emotional stress must be just extra. Everybody's a little different. And boy, oh boy, that can hit some people incredibly hard. I can't imagine. Really difficult. So I know the next piece, we're going to talk about resources. What resources are there for getting advice and professional debt help? And I'll just let you in on a secret right now is that I've got a phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030 for Sands and Associates. And there's one of the very best places to start to get some help, to use it as a resource, to sit down with somebody and talk about your situation. Uh, their website is also terrific with just chock-a-block full of great questions and answers for you. And it's sands-trustee.com. So Blair, what are the resources there for folks? What's out there for them? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you've just gave a great introduction, Elena. The best resource is to get a free confidential consultation with a licensed yeah. insolvency trustee, but that's not where most people start. Most right. people start looking for solutions from the folks that help them get into the situation. So they go to their bank, they go to their lenders, and not to say that you shouldn't do this, but you should definitely realize that the objective of the person that you're looking for help from uh, might be opposite to yours. So your objective is to have a good quality of life, have a budget that you can deal with, make reasonable payment on your debt. Um, The people that you owe money to, their objective is to get as much of their debt back, ideally 100% plus interest as possible. So I've seen again and again where people think they're getting unbiased advice from their bank that they should go and do this or that or involve a cosigner or um, you know sell assets or get their spouse to pay off a debt that they're not on the hook for. So you just need to be careful when you get advice that you know exactly where it's coming from. So you can discuss with your bank, um, but sometimes it's the idea that you know using debt to solve debt, um, it doesn't always have a happy ending. Um, so what I mean by that is if you try to consolidate your debt, um, you know you're getting into more debt to solve old debt, um, but you have to have the discipline that you're not going to get into that situation again with the consolidated accounts. So I think be very careful as you're dealing with lenders and definitely guidance from a licensed insolvency trustee. You know, even if you don't implement any of the solutions available, we're going to be able to help steer you away from some of the really important pitfalls. And we've seen people just think they're doing the right things and have the best of intentions, but definitely get themselves into trouble and sometimes make the situation worse off. And the thing is, I think it's important, and just I've learned this over the years of talking with you, Blair, is that it's just not about signing you up immediately for bankruptcy protection or personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, but you'll actually spend a huge amount of time talking with the person about, okay, well, where, where are you in this situation right now? And, and maybe these are options, but there's a whole bunch of other options here as well, uh, that we can, we can look at and see if they're possible for you. And that's the most interesting part of the job, Elaine, is behind every death situation. There's a family person, there's a story, there's often the most inspirational life stories that you've ever heard, and then it's someone who's in a very tough situation. So when someone comes in to see us, yeah, we want to know their entire situation, we want to know their objectives, want to make sure that they feel respected every step of the way, um, and yeah, it's such an interesting job because you do get people explaining, well, here's the situation that I'm in, and you've got a great solution when you're a trustee that just about every situation, the legislated option, the consumer proposal, or if that's not possible, a personal bankruptcy, that's the best possible option, and it's all supervised um, by the law, by the trustee, all according to codes of ethics and everything, um, so people can feel protected when they are dealing with a trustee. What's the number one thing that you are asking or suggesting to people that they avoid uh, when they've got a growing debt problem going on? Yeah, I think the key thing is don't make any sudden moves. So this is good advice in a lot of things, but especially if you're in the eye of a storm of a debt problem, it can feel like you need to take urgent action tomorrow. Maybe a collector saying they're going to be at your door tomorrow, carting things away. Oftentimes, it's empty threats that create urgency in you. That's a false urgency. There's nothing that happens day-to-day with debts. Anything that's going to really impact you, you're going to see coming for weeks or months before. But if you take certain actions without understanding the long-term and the short-term effects, you can be worse off. So a couple of things that I see that breaks my heart is people cashing in their retirement funds, like their RRSPs, because they're not aware those are federally protected assets. If you cash them in to pay debt, they're gone and they're not coming back. But even if you were sued for your debt, those RRSPs could never be taken. So you have to be aware of which of your assets are protected. And a lot of people are really surprised at how many assets are protected. You know, even understanding what debts people owe versus not. So, you know, a sudden move might be that a husband finds out that the wife is in 
trouble or vice versa and decides to use family assets to pay one spouse's debt, not knowing that those family assets are not required to pay just one spouse's debt. It's just if that debt is in the spouse's name uh, and the asset is in the other spouse's name, it's not at risk. So it's so important that you get the right advice and you avoid some of those pitfalls as you're trying to get a hold of your debt. So many good ideas. And again, I want to mention the website, sans-trustee.com. It's just filled with some really good ideas and strategies uh, to help you figure out your next step. And the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. If you want to go ahead and make that appointment to talk to somebody and help you figure this out. We're going to learn about how much bankruptcy can cost a person, the costs in filing for bankruptcy, as well as Canada's top bankruptcy alternative. Uh, Blair's going to, uh, Blair, of course, from Sands & Associates, BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees, is going to break down the cost of declaring bankruptcy, as well as that unique consolidation alternative with no added costs. Um, and we often mention, Blair, that licensed insolvency trustees are government-qualified professionals uh, that debt and that debt consultations are free. Can you walk us through what's involved in starting the process of working with an LIT? Uh, it's so important and, and boy, oh boy, can be a real godsend for folks that are, are really struggling right now. Well, definitely, Elaine. You know, the, I often say the hardest part of working with a trustee is just having the courage to make that first call because it is a call into the unknown, and quite often people are worried about being judged or feeling ashamed about their situation. But when you reach out for help, you know you're dealing with someone that's got the professional ability um, and, you know, the empathy and the desire to really help you get out of a tough situation. Uh, you know, one thing that we really want as trustees at Sands and Associates is for everyone to understand all of their options and then make a clear-eyed decision on how they can move forward. So that goes for all the solutions that are out there and for the solutions that we can provide, a, per a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. You know, what people should take away is that there's only one government-regulated and endorsed debt health professional. So it's only a licensed insolvency trustee has the backing of the Canadian government to implement Canadian law to help you deal with a tough debt situation. Um, trustees are legally authorized to assist people in managing and resolving virtually all types of consumer debts, including government debt, and only a trustee can help with government debt, as well as debts that might be related to business operations or um, you know, debts that you've co-signed, really just about anything under the sun. And it's so important that people get reliable and trustworthy debt advice. So an LIT, a licensed insolvency trustee, is going to help you through the challenges that you're facing. It could be things like giving you some general debt advice, answering your questions about specific creditors. It could be assessing your personal or your business financial situation. You know, is this business still viable? Should I continue to inject money or not at this point? Uh, a trustee is going to help explain all the debt management options available to you, the pros and cons of each. Um, and then if you do decide to move forward, a trustee can prepare and file all the legal documents that you need to execute. Uh, what's really great as the first step with a trustee it might be tough to pick up the phone but it doesn't cost you anything it's a free confidential meeting with a very qualified person you don't need any referrals you don't have to have a certain credit rating uh, or put anything up front you just need to reach out directly to have that first conversation and then of course after sitting with an lit a licensed insolvency trustee you actually get
get to move forward and can move forward and create a bit of a path to do that. Uh, I can't I can't stress enough that it's such a good phone call to make. It's 1-800-661-3030. Check out their website, sands-trustee.com. If, uh, if you feel like, if you feel like you need some help with this, uh, more than likely you do. And, uh, and that's the best course of action is 1-800-661-3030. Website again, sands-trustee.com. Blair, what are the kinds of costs or fees that are charged if a person decides to either pursue a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal when working with uh, someone like yourself, a licensed insolvency trustee? Yeah, it's a great question, Elaine. And, you know, one of the key principles when you're dealing with a trustee is transparency. So we know people are nervous if they're dealing with a debt situation. They don't want to have, you know, hidden fees or things that are unanticipated or things that something they'll get a bill for. But when you're dealing with a trustee, everything is set by a government-regulated tariff. So you know exactly what things are going to cost you before you ever get into a proceeding. And trustees don't set their own costs. It isn't a case where there's a fee for service. And if you phone the trustee, we're going to be clicking go on this time clock and we're going to bill you for whatever percentage of an hour it was that we spent on the phone with you like a lawyer. It's nothing like that. So when you deal with a trustee, uh, the questions that you might have, the support that you need, everything is included in whatever fees you might be required to pay. And then once the administration is concluded, there's a document prepared called a statement of receipts and disbursements. And it's just like what it sounds like. It's a statement that shows all the money that was received in either a bankruptcy or a proposal and where that money was dispersed. So how much went to pay back the debts, how much was retained by the trustee for cost of administration, how much went for filing fees, counseling fees, so on and so forth. And before the trustee is able to receive any fees for their services, their regulator, my regulator, the superintendent of bankruptcy, has to sign off on that statement of receipts and disbursement. So it's very transparent. Uh, it's something you can see all the way along and see very much up front what you'll actually have to pay. Uh, in terms of what individuals actually have to pay, in most cases, if you're doing a personal bankruptcy with Sands and Associates, the vast majority of individuals that file for bankruptcy are low income. They don't pay a percentage of their income. They just pay the cost of administration of the bankruptcy, and that's fixed at a rate of $2,300, which is normally payable in monthly payments over the nine-month period of the bankruptcy. So most people think that bankruptcy is going to last for six or seven years and might, might cost them huge amounts of money. For the vast majority of cases, for those that file for bankruptcy, if you're low income, you're required to pay $2,300 over the nine-month period, and that's all that you have to pay. It's inclusive of all costs, uh, all support from the trustee, counseling fees, filing fees, taxes, so on and so forth. Uh, and the trustee during the course of the bankruptcy is going to be contacting all of your creditors, making sure all the claims are administered correctly, uh, prepare your tax returns, uh, deal with all the government filings, GST that's required, and really get you that fresh financial start. Cool. And what about uh, for a consumer proposal? How does that how does that work uh, in terms of costs, etc.? Mm -hmm. Yeah, with a consumer proposal, it's you know perhaps even more straightforward. It, there's nothing additional that's charged to an individual when they file a consumer proposal. So the way a consumer proposal works is we'd say, well, here's the amount of debt that you have, and you know maybe that's a, a large amount of debt you can't afford to repay. We say, what can you afford to repay? So maybe it was. A, $30,000 debt, and you can afford to repay $10,000. If your proposal is for $10,000, that's all that you pay. The trustee gets paid out of that amount. 
So if it was, you know, $300 over 36 months in, in broad terms there, that's all that you would pay is $300 on a monthly basis. The trustee is allowed to retain part of that payment for costs of administration, but there's nothing additional ever charged to the individual. So it's based on what you can afford to repay on the debts, full stop, no fees on top of that when you file a consumer proposal. Did you want to give some more examples of the kinds of costs for, for people doing a consumer proposal? Because I always find it so interesting. Oh, I was thought you'd never ask. I would love to. These are great examples. So, <laughs> yeah. and you know, these yeah. are all real people that we've dealt with over the last couple of months here. So, you know, one individual debts of forty-one thousand dollars. We're able to do a consumer proposal that reduced the debts by nearly fifty percent, and they're paying three hundred and fifty dollars a month over sixty months. So, just hugely life-changing to them. Uh, we had another person with a smaller amount of debt. Now, this was a payday loan, so this was nine thousand dollars now. But if we let this go for another year, it might be double based on the interest rates, uh, we were able to cut their debt by 55%. So they were paying back $200 a month over a 24-month period. Uh, just one of the payday loans they had outstanding was higher than $200 a month, and they had about five or six of them. So this was just a huge saving to them. Wow. Uh, and we had a, a self-employed individual who had some debts of about $43,000, which included a bunch of money to Canada Revenue Agency. We were able to reduce their debt down to $230 a month over 60 months, which was about 30 cents on the dollar repayment, the balance of 70% of the debt was written off by the creditors. Um, and in closing, too, you know, I just want to remind everybody, like, just like the examples that you just talked about, everybody's situation is so different and so unique from each other that that's where Sands & Associates shine so well, is they'll sit down with you, work all of this out, looking at exactly what your situation is, and figure out the best path forward. Um, their phone number, it's easy, 1-800-661-3030, to get that sitting down down with somebody and talking about this. The website sands-trustee.com is filled with good information. If you're not quite sure you want to take make that phone call, that will convince you it's the best uh, thing to do to move forward. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.